Hello everybody, this is Skull Cruncher, and I'm doing my first podcast for Hacker Public Radio on how I discovered Linux. So I'm actually, I grew up with Unix because um, when I got into computing and programming and so on, I was working at the university in research and lots of universities were just running on Unix. It, I also worked a lot on Macintosh and actually from 1994 till 2004 I bought a new Mac every two years. I also bought a new Windows machine every two years so I used the Mac for productivity and I used the Windows machine for gaming but I had to buy a new machine every two years because there were like huge changes in processor speed and so on. I mean, it really made a big difference. And I needed good performing machines, but a two-year-old computer I could also still sell for, you know, not much less than what I bought it for. So... Um, during that time, I had no need for Linux whatsoever. I didn't feel like I was totally ignorant of Linux, but because I had Unix on my Mac and I was happy with Unix and I thought it was doing basically the same thing as Linux, I just didn't consider installing Linux on any of my machines. In in 2006, my actual journey into Linux started. I just moved to Vancouver and I was working in a research lab where I had to set up or actually reset up a conference, video conferencing system they had. It was a very like high-end video conferencing system that could do a lot of fancy things and it was running on a Linux machine. So the thing was, it was really complicated to configure the whole thing so that it would find its connections for the video, for the sound, for the text, for all the other things that it was sending forth and back. And once I had figured out the configuration, I wanted to actually store the configuration, but there were some variables which depended on the environment of the system and like the IP address it got and and how it would connect to the other host and so on. So I wanted to write the startup script for Linux that whenever you started up that machine, it would just automatically configure the whole thing. And I totally failed at doing that and realized that Linux is not Unix. It it has a different way of starting up. So what happened was that there was a system admin who uh, who wrote the script for me. And that was kind of a, a short excursion into Linux world and not a very successful. The next time I encountered Linux was in 2009. I just went back to school, was in a master's program for software systems, and in this course about operating systems, 
we had an assignment to write a driver for Linux that would do something with the LED lights that you have on your keyboard. So our TA had set up Linux in a virtual machine, but the whole configuration didn't really work because the driver couldn't really talk to the keyboard through, I mean, outside, which is outside of the virtual machine, basically. So they changed the whole setup and let us use the old computers in the old Linux lab, but they configured those computers in a way that um, we could only boot from our own USB drive and we had to have Linux on that USB drive and then we could plug it in and boot it up and test our drivers. At that point the assignment became optional but I was intrigued by just the possibility to program the LED lights on the keyboard actually program something that is hardware and not just software. And so I got my Linux system on my USB stick and I wrote the program at home and then I went into the lab and it wouldn't function. And I went back and forth a couple of times because it was really hard to develop in the lab. Those computers just had crappy little CRT screens was no fun doing the work there. But in the end, I got the LED lights to light up the Morse code for every letter that you typed in on the keyboard. That was quite fun. In spring 2010, I did a few installations of Linux in uh, VirtualBox, and that was in the context of a cloud computing project that I was doing. I was trying to actually use uh, the Amazon cloud, but before trying out my scripts in on the Amazon EC2 instance, I wanted to test it in my own environment. The first Linux I installed was Arch Linux because I wanted to install Hadoop, which allows um, to do MapReduce processes, which is a way to map information, filter information to get the essential information out of it. So the reason why I chose Arch Linux is because I found instructions online on how to install Hadoop in a very lightweight Art, uh, Linux, which is Arch Linux. My installation didn't even have a Windows system. It was just basically a terminal with a command line. But because it was work, uh, running in my Mac environment, I could edit the text files on my Mac and then have a shared drive between my Mac and the virtual Linux installation so it could read the program from that drive and run it. And the Hadoop installation, which was doing the MapReduce process, uh, was also smart enough to actually set up a web server and um, publish all the results in the web server. So back on my Mac, I could also have um, a browser open and actually watch the Arch Linux virtual installation while it was number crunching 
look through the big data sets that I was preparing for the cloud. So that was fun, except that I wasn't very happy with Hadoop. Uh, Hadoop, it does this map reduce, which is a very linear process that kind of goes from a lot of information to the essential information you want. But I wanted to do more refined queries on the whole thing. So I figured out that there is Hive, which kind of gives you the similar things you can do with a relational database, similar queries you can ask a relational database. But Hive at that time was only available for Debian and Red Hat. So I decided to install Debian in my virtual box, and I went through the whole process again of installing Debian in my virtual box and then adding Hive and develop my scripts and my SQL slash HQL queries and have my virtual Linux installation number crunch for me. So that was a lot of fun and, and got me to um, admire some of the features of Linux uh, and start to understand how similar and not similar it is to Unix. The next time I installed Linux was in December 2010 when I was considering contributing to the KDE project. So the KDE project is what um, is, for example, the Kubuntu desktop, but also a lot of applications that have a K in them, um, which also includes games like Kess for chess and so on. So I installed Kubuntu as well as Ubuntu in my virtual machine just to look at them and understand them. I didn't get to actually contributing to KDE because I was busy with other things, but I really like the setup of that project. It's very well set up. I was impressed by how easy it was to actually see what is going on, what the bugs are that could be tackled, which ones are the easy ones, and so on. But I also liked Ubuntu better, the desktop. It just seemed to run smoother in my virtual box. Kubuntu seemed a little sticky or heavy. I can't really, I don't really know why, but I liked Ubuntu. And the next thing that happened was um, Pokey signed up for a table for the Northeast Linux Fest and talked about having stickers and I helped with the design of the stickers so that they could be printed and then I figured out well there is also a Linux Fest Northwest and I saw that you could have a table so I just signed up for a table and decided to go to the Linux Fest Northwest. But that meant that I mean, you can't really go to a Linux Fest with a Macintosh computer, so I really had to install Linux on my Windows machine to be able to go there with a computer. 
uh, because, I mean, the idea is to be able to, you know, show the Hacker Public Radio website and show people how to do podcasts and have a machine there and just um, in case whatever happens. So I really had to install Linux on a machine now. And I was I pretty much decided that it should be Ubuntu. And at the same time, while I was thinking about installing Ubuntu, I also discovered that there is a meetup group in Vancouver, an Ubuntu meetup group, or as they call it, the Vancouver Ubuntu Local Community. So I went to an event, which is, a, it's called a cup of Ubuntu. It happens on Saturday mornings because you drink coffee and you don't bring your computer. You just go there and talk. And I got an Ubuntu CD, which was a great thing to have. So it was Ubuntu 10.10, really new desktop edition. I could just slip it into my Windows machine and see whether it would run. So you slip it in and it asks you whether you want to install or just try it out. So I tried it out first. Everything looked good except for the wireless. I thought, okay, that's only one problem. Everything else is running. I'm just going to go for it. So I erased my hard disk, installed Ubuntu, and was facing the wireless problem, which actually set firmware missing. And I have to say, it took me two days to solve that problem because it was a Dell Latitude 8600 laptop and it has a Broadcom wireless card which uses some very proprietary firmware. So. What Ubuntu does is there is this program called FW Cutter, something like Firmware Cutter, which kind of cuts the firmware out of the driver that would drive your wireless card and actually installs the firmware on your wireless card. So a pretty complicated process. The reason why I had problems is because my other network card for the wired network is also Broadcom. So it didn't know which hardware to use and whatever I told it to do didn't fit because I wanted to install the driver for the wireless and it only found the wired card. So I searched the web and so on and couldn't find an answer. But then I found the launch pad for Ubuntu, which was a really great discovery. <clears throat> so the launch pad, the first time you go there, it looks like um, just the forum, a discussion forum. So I posted my question and within two hours, somebody was asking more questions and I responded again. And then after six hours, more or less, I got an email which said that my question was categorized. And I thought, that's really interesting. And I thought, let's look into like where it was categorized. It made a lot of sense. And then I figured out that this launch pad is actually much more than just a discussion forum. It's actually also kind of their butt 
tracking, project management environment. So it's a great way to, you know, have the whole community involved in the development and, and actually the improvement of the whole um, environment of Ubuntu. So I really like this launch pad. And I also got an answer for my wireless problem, which I basically had to use a different version of that firmware cutter. The one that I was using, which is the default one, just doesn't work well with Broadcom. So they had another one which was more appropriate and did the job. I had one more problem with my Dell laptop, which was waking up from sleep, totally screwed up the screen, but then I found a solution on Launchpad. was really no problem to find the solution for that. So that was my first conversion of a Windows machine to Linux. And then I got courageous and looked at my little Samsung Q1 Ultra tablet computer which I bought in, I think, 2005 or 2006, and it came with Windows XP, and it has an 800 megahertz processor, and it really, it really can't really run Windows XP, like, at normal speed. I mean, it, I can run maybe a browser, but if I open a second program, it already slows it down incredibly. I can't really listen to music on it. I mean, it gets stuck all the time. So I thought, well, that Windows system isn't running very well. Anyway, so let's just put Ubuntu on it. So the Samsung, there are two things. One, it doesn't have a CD drive, and I don't have an external CD drive. And it has a touch screen. So those are two things that I had to deal with. The CD thing was easy to solve because on the Ubuntu site there was an instruction on how to create a bootable USB stick. So I just followed those instructions. That was easy. Uh, I had a little bit more problems figuring out how to tell the Samsung to actually boot from the USB because doesn't have a real keyboard with an F12 key that would allow you to just, you know, select the boot volume on startup. So I actually had to go into the BIOS and and make the changes there. But yeah, with the help of the internet, that wasn't a big deal in the end. And again, with this stick, I could start up from the stick and choose whether I want to install it or just test Ubuntu. So I tested it and it was fun because the wireless worked. So I didn't have to deal with that problem again. The touch screen didn't work, which I didn't expect to work. And I also on the internet found instructions on how to make it work. It, it basically needs one extra X11 library and, and the appropriate configuration file. So yes, I erased the hard disk and I installed Ubuntu on my little tablet computer and I got the, the touch screen to work and now I have zero Windows machines and two Linux machines. 
it feels really good. And the only reason that I, I mean, the reason why I made this final decision is because of Hacker Public Radio, because I want to go to the Linux Fest and have a table there. So thank you, Hacker Public Radio. By the way, if you're going to the Linux Fest in Bellingham, end of April, April 30th and May 1st, uh, please stop by at the table and say hi. And if you have a little bit of time and could help at the table, that would be great. Uh, my email address is in the show notes or leave a comment. And um, it, it, it would be great to have a few more helpers. I already found Ira who's going to come and help, but a few more would be great. So this was my first show for Hacker Public Radio, and it wasn't really that hard. So thanks, Ken, for asking for urgent contribution. Um, and I hope that others will have the courage to do a show as well. That's it. Go Cruncher out. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net. So head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.